Part 7 Simon had everything prepared for them by the time Gabriel and Joshua arrived the following evening. He had spent hours obsessing over different backpacks online, regardless of the fact that none would arrive in time, had finally and with great reluctance planned an expedition to Home Depot and the local Target to pick up the basic necessities, a heavy mag light for each of them, as long as his forearm, coils of nylon rope pre-knotted every three feet, emergency snacks in the form of power bars and power drinks, peanut butter and decadent brownie flavored, the most powerful walkie-talkies he could acquire. It was only to be a short expedition, and thus he didn't need to buy anything beyond that, but he spent a good thirty minutes debating the value of a medical kit, of a camping stove, flares. Of taking his gun, there was no question. Once he had returned home, haggard and worn by being out in the sunlight and having to talk to strangers, he quickly returned to his computers. Every moment spent away meant missing out on some new development. People just didn't know, didn't understand. The networks that spanned the world, that connected him to like-minded souls in Russia, Poland, Argentina, all over the U.S., Norway, Japan, everywhere. When the doorbell rang, he looked up, puzzled, and saw that five hours had passed without his noticing. Placing several processes on auto or pausing them altogether, saving his progress in the latest version of Rape Man, he jumped up and opened the door. Gabrielle and Joshua had arrived together, she in a pretty hot combination of black pants and shirt, him, as always, in a loser getup. He turned and shuffled back, tried to think about what he'd missed, something he'd forgotten to do. His rules. Quickly, he sat down at his computer, ignoring the others as they followed and asked questions and began to pick over his purchases, still in their plastic bags. He opened up Notepad and typed, Simon calls when the mission is over. When he says we leave... There are no questions or hesitations. We go. He looked over his shoulder at the other two, who were watching him now. Why hadn't he prepared this part before? Stupid backpacks. Are you ready? asked Gabriel, clearly amused. Almost. Give me a second, he said and turned around to stare at his list. What else? What else? For a long, achingly blank moment, he stared at the file. Then he closed it without saving. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm ready. Now remember, I'm only going because we agreed that you get to end the mission when you want, said Gabrielle soothingly. Yes, I remember. We promise to follow your lead. Do you have the cameras? Yeah, said Simon, feeling surly and not knowing why. He stood up and went to his closet, where he pulled out a box. It was large and filled with unopened packages, illicit goods purchased with other people's credit cards mostly. He rummaged through them, making a note to throw a couple of the older items out, till he pulled free three high-definition handheld cameras. Here, he said, chucking the first to Joshua and the second to Gabrielle. Basic functions you should know, but there's a night vision option that I like that I'll show you how to activate. Try to hold these steady. If you wave them around, you won't get anything worth selling. Are they going to be streaming live? asked Joshua, reading the small print on the side of his. From underground? Of course not. We'll get back and I'll edit the footage. Which reminds me, when are we going to announce this? If we let slip to the clients that we're investigating, that we could build... No, said Gabrielle. We say nothing until we get back. We don't know what we'll find. This could be big, Simon. Much bigger than just our limited, if delightful, client base. Simon shrugged. <laughs> all right, whatever. So, I don't want to spend all night there. We go in, we leave, we come back here. I get to pull the plug and we all leave, no questions asked, right? He stared at Gabrielle. 
She returned his glare with a demure smile, and then reached up to cross her heart. They crammed into Joshua's car, and he drove over to the large Central Queen Cemetery where Mary Ellen had been buried. Gabrielle was intimately familiar with the cemetery's layout, and directed him toward a spot in the back where they could park and slip in. While security was high, the cemetery was simply too large a plot of land to be properly warded. Passing through a gap in the iron railings, Gabrielle seemed an angular shadow, having pulled a black beanie down over her pale hair. Joshua followed with his duffel bag of tools, and Simon brought up the rear with his own specialized equipment. The cemetery was vast. Undulating fields of tombstones extended away from them, crisscrossed by narrow paths and occasionally interrupted by aggregations of mausoleums. A city of the dead, nearly as old as New York itself. August and stately and silent. Gabriel took the lead, and together the group made their way east, keeping to the periphery and on the lookout for patrols. Behind them, a dark shape followed. His motorbike parked a block down from their car, his clothing as black as Gabriel's. Curious, cold, furious, he followed, eyes locked on Gabriel's narrow form, hand curled around the knurled grip of a gun. Thanks for listening to Coffin Cam. For more information on the author, Philip Tucker, head to transientme.com. And for more information on the narrator, Paul Guyette, head over to paulguyette.com.